And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast aspiring to be like Kevon Looney. I'm Tim Cato, a writer to talk about the Mavericks. We've got Rob Mahoney of The Ringer. You know him. A long time ago, a Mavericks blogger. It's true. Just like I. But now I, I aspire to be like Kevon Looney. That's how I've moved on. That's how I've grown in life. Um, but I think he showed tonight we all have a lot to aspire to. It's it's a, a mountainous, you know, <laughs> aspiration for us all. But if we could just be a little bit more like him every day, yeah, I, I think I think that's enough. You know, uh, the Mavericks lost. They're down two zero in the series. They were also down two zero against the Phoenix Suns. This series does not feel like the Phoenix Suns. Even if the Mavericks were to do the same thing and somehow win four of the next five, it would be in a very very different way than they came back against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, namely, like one of the stars just going away, absent, completely, uh, you know, gone from this series. I don't see that happening against Golden State, and that's an issue. That's a problem. Uh, you know, that is that is something that the Mavericks are going to have to to solve. Do you have broad takeaways before? There's some specific things I want to get yeah. into, but just broad takeaways, Rob. What do you have for me? I mean, this is brutal. Like to blow this game in this fashion when you're getting great offensive performances not only from Luka, from Jalen Brunson, not on a night where a lot of you guys are hitting threes. You're getting everything you need to break your way, including a 19-point lead, and then to just disintegrate defensively the way they did in a way that, concerningly for the Mavs, feels pretty sustainable for the Warriors. Like, they were just playing the way the Warriors play. Pretty simple, break down the defense, find the open man. I guess the only difference tonight is instead of, you know, Steph and Clay hitting threes, it's dump-offs to Kevon Looney for dunks. But otherwise, in terms of structure... This is what the Warriors do, and if the Mavs can't figure out a way to do something with that, this could be a much shorter series than any of us anticipated. I, I thought, you know, my main biggest picture takeaway yeah. was the Mavericks are just missing one, two, even three guys. There's there's really five players out there that um, that Jason Kidd trusts at this point, and he's just trying to get something from Frank Nilakina, yeah. Josh Green. Those played a combined nine minutes. And they were uh, a tough nine minutes. Those nine yeah. minutes were a very tough hang. Yes. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's inconsistent postseason roller coaster continued. Yeah. Uh, he played 22 minutes, uh, had as many points as turnovers for each, uh, shot two of six. Um, I, I wouldn't even lump Maxi. You know, Maxi's one of the trusted five. Uh, he only shot one of five, though, off the bench. And then, of course, this once again is not a series for Dwight Powell. If you play three straight postseason series, and Dwight Powell is not a player for that. What that really tells you is that he's not really a postseason player. Yeah. A good player. 
a good regular season player who's important to have on your roster. Yes. He's not a postseason player. He's not a 16-game player. No, but I think that's the reality is the way the Mavs have played in the postseason at their best, as small as they have, whether it's Maxi at the five, whether it's Dorian Finney-Smith at the five at times, you can't do that for 82 games. So you need guys like Dwight Powell to get you here, and so he is immensely valuable in that, has been super dependable in giving the Mavs a different dimension in the regular season as a role threat. But you see the limitations of that here, where even in, you know, you would say hypothetically, Dwight Powell's best chance of hanging in the series is in Kevon Looney's minutes. And Kevon Looney's playing him off the floor effectively by doing all of the things you would want Dwight Powell to do. Like that, that's a tough look, but that's the reality of the Mavs rotation right now. I think you nailed it. They are, they are one or two reliable guys short. And on a night where Maxi's game, as you, as you mentioned, was also off. It, it, your rotation starts to look really thin really quickly. I should note before we continue that we are recording on, uh, you know, high up in the seats at um, Chase Center. Although I hear that some call it Kavon Looney's Court. Um, so if you hear any just ambient, uh, ambiance noise surrounding us, it is the beautiful sounds of a NBA game that finished 45 minutes ago. Always beautiful. Yeah. Couldn't you fall asleep to this? <laughs> This is, you know, some people use ocean sounds, some rainforest. Oh, and look at that, just a little, a little bang pop. This is it for me. I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna doze off right here if we're not too careful. Let, let's keep it moving. <laughs> uh, how much do you think Jason Kidd was at fault for the third quarter mm. collapse? Um, and maybe if you want me to drill down, defensively was the issue. I thought more than yeah. offense. I, I want to talk about the offense. We'll get there. The Mavericks trapping Steph and even Jordan Poole as aggressively as they did. I thought. Um, and just like consistently, yeah. you know, whereas Golden State is throwing a variety of defenses at Luka and they're changing them sometimes on a possession to possession basis. Like how much can you consistently do one thing that that involves a double team? I think it's tricky because to me, precision always outweighs scheme. And so what they're doing right now could work. We've seen it work, frankly, in, in other series, and other contexts, even in this series at points, where when the Mavs are on top of the rotations, the, when those guys are connected, you know, in particular, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, they can absolutely nail this stuff. But the Warriors stretch you out in such unique ways, in such, like to such extremes, it's really hard to keep up with that. And I think it's an interesting contrast on both sides of the ball right now, where on one side, you know, we saw... Luca in the pick and roll when he had the ball attacking Steph over and over and over until the point that Kerr pulled the plug. He put Steph on Dorian Finney-Smith. He said, you're not guarding Reggie Bullock anymore. This like Luca reggie Bullock pick and roll that's been working so well. It's getting lots of open threes. We're just going to bail on that possibility. We're going to put Steph over here instead. That changed a lot of what the Mavs were able to do offensively. We never saw that kind of adjustment on the other side of the ball. It was it was a lot of just keep plugging away. Four guys like Steph and Jordan Poole, keep running pick and roll, keep moving off ball, because a lot of those traps are happening in off-ball situations as well. And they were able to get a lot of stuff out of that. And so I'm, I would say I'm more reluctant than most to point a finger at coaches and saying, why didn't you call a timeout during this big run? I, I just find that counterproductive. And in most cases, it's like, even if he does call a timeout, he doesn't stop the Warriors from being the Warriors. But in this case, I do think there's, there is movement to be made. And whether that's trusting your players to make that movement in the course of a game or between games as you kind of go back to the tape, the Mavs have to try different things because this, we're seeing the limits of that approach right now. Right. The Warriors are so dynamic. Like, like not just Steph, not just Clay, like not, not even just Jordan Poole, yeah. but the role players 
you know, go on down. Look at look at everybody on the roster. And well, you know, just, like I mean, just think about the fact that this is probably the worst game Draymond Green is going to play all right. series, and they still came back from this massive deficit. Like, how often is Kevon Looney those dunks right at the rim? Yeah, you know, several of them came from a- Andrew Wiggins driving. Yep, um, Kevon Looney himself, I thought, was really good as a role man when they were doubling, and he would get the ball. He was making plays out of it. He was yeah. somehow from the middle of the floor finding the guy under the rim just like Draymond would. Something that I had no clue that Kavon <laughs> knew he could do. But again, if you're on Kavon Looney's court, as he was tonight, what do you, you know, I guess anything is possible. His court, his city, his world. Like I'm really um, not putting yeah. any limits on him at the moment. I, there's a reason why this podcast is aspiring <laughs> to be like him. By the way, as I'm sure many Mavs fans have been made aware, this is the first time Kavon Looney has ever scored more than 20 points in any game of any kind. A, a amazing career high for him, an incredible achievement. But it, I mean, it's it's all systemic. It's it's all coming from how the Warriors create, and those possessions just so happen to end with Kevon Looney. And one. and I was gonna kind of ask you about that. Um, you know, the Mavericks played Utah and they played Phoenix, and their role players were not dynamic in this way off the ball. Yeah, they were not making plays. I wonder, though, how much of that is just the fact that they don't have role players up to this ability, that it's it's a Royce O'Neal, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Daniel House problem. And how much of it is the Warriors, you know, in their ball movement and also the shooting gravity of yep. their stars on the perimeter just puts their role players in a better position to make those plays off the dribble, which then, you know, makes it harder for the Mavericks to play this version of defense. Yeah, I mean, we've seen players who have come and gone from the Warriors flunk in these roles, just like did not have the specific kind of basketball IQ to succeed in these roles. Kelly Oubre is an example. For example. But this is still Steph. Like this is in in particular his gravity, but also also Clay, also Jordan Poole. Like just the fact that Dorian Finney-Smith guards Clay Thompson a lot right now. At a point where Klay Thompson isn't fully Klay Thompson anymore. Like, he is a, a limited player, still working his way back from injury, but you have to give him that kind of respect. And so you, when you have those kinds of threats and Steph moving the way he does without the ball, it's a totally different thing. And that's really what separates Steph from, you know, flashback to the previous series. Chris Paul gives up the ball. He's not moving like Steph. It's just not how he's programmed to interface with the game. And so as a result of that, all of the other players, if they're moving dynamically, they look explosive. They look wide open all of a sudden. I mean, pretty you you could pull several of us and several of these uh you know, several of the attendant staff here cleaning Chase Center and put, throw us out there with Steph, and we could look explosive in our roles if he's moving that way. And so I, I really do think it's a lot more to do with him, not to take anything away from the Gavon Loonies of the world who are doing Yeoman's work out here, but it's it's all about playing off of the primary action. I mean, I appreciate that compliment, but if I'm on the floor with Steph, yeah. what people are going to focus on is how much better Steph is playing next to me. Mm. So, you know, the pl- I mean, the plus minus data doesn't lie it's on, all the, about, on this matter. It's all about perspective, if you will. Uh, so so to go back to my original question that kind of kicked all, all this off. Yeah. Um, can the Mavericks keep trapping like they are? And I liked your answer. It's more about execution than process. Uh, I've always liked to say I, I'm decent. You know, I'm, I'm OK at looking backwards and figuring out, all right, that went wrong. The reason I'm not in the NBA, well, there's a lot of reasons, but, you know, I, I would never aspire to be a coaching staff, you know, a coach on a coaching staff. And, and I'm not quite as good looking forward to saying, oh, this will definitely work. Um, it, it does feel like they, they really fell into a consistent rhythm uh, with, with, with the trapping that, that was not working. And, and you know, the, here's let, let me let me throw one play at you. Yeah, I believe it was the end of the third quarter. 
yes, it was. Steph is on Reggie Bullock on the right wing, right down there. And Maxi comes all the way over off his guy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an isolation. Steph is isolated. The shots, uh, shot clocks, the, the game clock's running down. There's probably 10 seconds left. Yeah. It's the last play of the third quarter. And Maxi Kleba helps so far over that he has two feet on the other side of the paint. What Steph does is he drives into that double. He kicks it to Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins drives into the paint. He dumps it off to Kevin uh, Kevon Looney, and it's it's a dunk. It's yeah. a buzzer-beating dunk. Do they need to help in that instance? Do you need Maxi coming all the way across the lane uh, to put two feet there? Can you occasionally survive just by saying, Reggie, we think, is our best defender for Steph? Yep. Let's concede an isolation shot. Hopefully it's more of a step-back two-pointer situation um, or or a contested three, which, look, Steph can make that. Is it a higher percentage shot than a Kevon Looney dunk, which is how the play ended? This is where Steph, like, really messes with your head. Is right. In a game like this, I thought this was, honestly, having watched Steph all postseason, one of his more successful one-on-one creation games. It just hasn't really been there for him the whole time. And in the first half, he was getting to his shots, off the dribble, breaking guys down, in the pick and roll. That stuff was there for him. And when he makes a couple of those plays, whether they're pull-up jumpers, whether he's getting all the way to the rim, he's a pretty good finisher down there too, able to draw some fouls now and again. When that stuff is working and you're maxi and you're seeing your teammate on an island, I get why your instinct is to play the clock, really. Really what he's playing is the clock. He's playing... If Steph is going to ISO and I help in this way, we can force a difficult shot. Unfortunately, the Warriors are programmed to see the clock differently and to think about those opportunities differently. And all, all credit in that in the, on that position to Andrew Wiggins as a facilitator on that play. Right. And that's where the Warriors are getting really good action is off of that stuff. But Steph will make you do crazy things. He will make you double team <laughs> 40 feet from the basket. He'll make you abandon dunkers. That's just the power of what he brings to the game. And so this is where, you know, we've talked about this all series. You've heard the coaches and the players on the maps speak about this all series. The difficulty in adjusting from one matchup to another and specifically from going a pick and roll heavy team and like a floppy and kind of a, you know, a a team that runs very specific kind of handoff actions like the Phoenix Suns to a completely different one in the Warriors. It, It takes time to gear shift. And I, I wonder if the Mavs really cost themselves because if they had won this game, they could go home with a split. Very different series, obviously, than going down 0-2. But maybe they just need time. Maybe they do just need time to kind of nail down some of that stuff and get a little bit sharper on when they should be overhelping to the degree that Steph might trick you into thinking you should. Right. And it's exactly why you gotta you gotta hang on to this win. You gotta you gotta steal it somehow. And you know, it, it came down to all the things we've talked about, you know, just being one or two players short, you know, just not having, you know, their shot making felt. Let's let's swing over to the offense and, and talk a little bit about the offense to, to close this podcast out. Um, you know, first off, Luca, uh, just very good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You mentioned the, the main adjustment that I also saw is that because the Warriors bring stuff out to to show, show and recover. Yeah. Uh, what the Mavericks did is they stopped running so many, you know, stack pick and rolls. They stopped clogging the area that Lucas is running these picks, and they just use Reggie Bullock. He is the quickest releasing shooter on their team, and they just had him every time that Steph showed. They had Reggie sprinting over, you know, basically from one wing to the other to quickly spot up and to hit that. And that put them, you know, every time that put the Warriors back into scramble mode because it's really hard for Steph to get all the way out and bother and disrupt Luca uh, long enough for Wiggins to get back in position. And either Luca was driving with Wiggins not yet recovered, or he was kicking to Bullock, or another warrior was having to help onto Bullock, which, you know, led to more rotations and breakdowns. Uh, it was really smart. It it's was nuts, really smart. It's, yeah. it's crazy watching this team play. Right. Uh, so I really like that. And, and you're right. They adjusted. I thought, you know, that's one of the reasons that in the third quarter, the offense broke down. They also just missed some more shots. Uh, Luca admitted he was really tired going into uh, halftime. You could see that. Yeah, he looked. He, he looked it. He looked exhausted, and naturally, he catches his second win to, you know, score like I don't even. It, it was something like four straight possessions in the fourth quarter. I want to say, um, including two threes. But <sighs> he's he's so good. But yeah, I, I thought that breakdown in the third quarter um, was an issue. And sometimes it's about that, like. That switch, that little defensive switch the Warriors made in their matchups, it's not unsolvable, but it totally broke the Mavericks' rhythm in terms of what they were doing. And, you know, you, you kind of parallel what the Warriors did to to jumpstart their offense and how they were able to get, as we as we talked about, Looney in the short roll situations, all these kind of facilitators playing off of bringing two defenders to a guy like Steph because he demands that much attention. If Luka is, has that power... I'm not letting Steph hide anywhere. I, I think ultimately, as the series gets shorter and shorter and the, and the margin for error gets slimmer and slimmer, the Mavs just, they cannot afford to play these guys that don't have to be guarded. They cannot, like, Josh Green cannot play in this series if that's how it's going to go. And we saw the Warriors go zone and Josh Green in the corner and the ball swings to him. And that is not the outcome you want of a possession. And, and what they tried to do is they tried to use him as a screener. Yeah. Josh Green as a screener. They tried to think, okay, he's a little bit more dynamic than Frank Nilakina. Uh, he can he can almost serve as a role man. We saw that in the regular season. Yep. It just wasn't working. And I, I still think Frank Nilakina is the better option. I trust him more to make a shot, uh, literally one shot. 
Now, he can't be shooting with 18 seconds uh, on the shot clock on a fast break situation. No. He can't be not making that return pass back to Maxi. Um, you know, like, kind of what I said about Frank Nokia this whole season is that you know it, he's at least going to shoot. You know, like, like he's clearly improved his jumper to the point that he's not gun-shy and it's been coached into him. You cannot hesitate on your three-pointers. Uh, almost the opposite of, of Josh Green's problem or Maxi Kleba's problem when he was going through a slump. Like, too much. Like, the pendulum swung too far the other direction with yeah. Frank Nilakina. And it's just like, my man, you don't, you know, maybe don't shoot, you know, shoot open ones when the shot clock is 14 or 12 under. But not not anything before that. It's tough. I mean, it, we, we say this and it sounds obvious, like you need to be willing to shoot, but it's such a big deal. And it even, even got to the head of some of the Mavs' other role players at points in this game. Like, we saw Spencer Dinwiddie pass up some pretty good looks from three yeah and maybe that's not even a product of him missing shots but him feeling like oh as a team we've missed a couple threes in a row we need to keep pushing keep pushing but you see how much time you give the defense to react and recover when things like that happen and so when you don't have your whole team locked into that flow where you're all feeling confident in the movement of the ball and the shots you're getting that's when the warriors are going to eat you alive because like they are going to be on top of it and if you give them any opportunity to recover in a game like this they're going to erase your 19 point lead it's just it's just what's going to happen and so it's it's tricky i mean it's tricky moving forward i think they're going to have to downsize the rotation a little bit um but i mean how much more can you do it if there's not a lot of fat to trim yeah i mean davis bertans played seven minutes dwight powell played eight yeah and then it was you know the the two players we're talking about and the five starters, more or less, you know. All of whom are playing. And Dinwiddie, you're right, yeah. I mean, all of whom are playing pretty heavy minutes already. And, right. you know, Luca is both hurt and coming off of some kind of illness. Right. Not great to push him even further than you have to already. But I don't know what the alternatives are other than con- it, kind of consolidating the Josh Green, Frank Nilakina minutes into one player, whoever you feel more confident with. I thought Bert- Bertans actually gave them some pretty good minutes in this one and is, is kind of similar to Bullock in that, He's a quick fire shooter. Yeah. So you can at least like if, if they want to hide a lesser defender, whether it's Poole or Steph on him, then you still have something to play with. But ultimately that's what I'm looking at is how do we keep Steph and Poole involved guarding as much as possible against Luca? Because that was their best action all night long. And if they want to put him put those guys on Dorian Finney Smith, then Dorian Finney Smith is your short roller and you need to be able to make plays out of that and find something. And if you if, you know you know, you can really kind of plug and play whatever whatever defender you think those guys will guard, and try to reverse engineer what kind of offense you can get from that. It, it's not good when I'm looking at the uh, the box score and looking at players with a DMP next to their name, and I'm looking at Trey Burke like, well, you know, <laughs> we've reached that time. <laughs> it's it's not a good sign. Uh, do you want to say any nice things about Luka Doncic before we uh, close this podcast? I feel like you're the type of person who always has nice things to say about Luka Doncic. Are there, are there not nice things to say about Luka Doncic? I, I'm sure a few people. Um, I mean, he drank a beer. He did drink a beer. I, pretty much the worst thing a human can do. <laughs> As we know. So, I mean, that's the... <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You, you, you're you just like the Luka, the Luka hipster enjoyer, enjoyer, enjoyer type? Enjoyer? I am yeah. an enjoyer, I would say, yeah. of, of things in general, but Luka's play in particular. I mean, yeah. he's uh, he's exceptional to watch in any setting, but especially in these playoffs, watching him deal with some of these challenges we're talking about, deal with the way the defenses are or aren't guarding certain teammates or pulling in his direction. You know, like We were talking about bringing two to the ball. 
and, and the way the Warriors kind of have to trap him. Sometimes they don't really want to, or they're not trapping him. He's just kind of occupying multiple defenders at the same time by lunging in a particular direction at exactly the moment he needs to, to make guys think that he's going to drive in that direction. But there were some drives he made in this game where he blows by an initial defender, he gets going toward the basket, and there are maybe two warriors in his way, and the way he's able to somehow weave between them for these finishes, I mean, it is, it's breathtaking stuff. And that's really what separates, we, we see all kinds of great passers and playmakers in the NBA, all kinds of great shooters. So few of those guys are finishers to the level that Luka is and can create contact and finish through it the way he does. I mean, this is... You don't need me to tell you after a night where he scores 42 points on 23 shots, but this is this is genuinely special shit. If he played games at 3 a.m., would you stay up to watch him? Why not? Yeah. What, yeah. what would stop me? Well, Slovenians have been this entire postseason run. Uh, I wrote about that on The Athletic. Uh, Theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven for a discount code if you are not a subscriber and would like to be one. That story's up there. Uh, I should have a story Saturday morning about uh just everything i saw a lot of the stuff we talked about on this podcast uh you know just an article uh thinking about talking about game two we'll be back after game three thanks for listening we'll see ya he plays Fortnite just like me i am 34 don't fight the future honey don't fight the Future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.